Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So uh, we have uh, been telling you um, about Britney Spears and Sam Asghari getting divorced. We broke the story that they separated a couple of weeks ago after a blowout argument where he had, we're told, I uh, told friends that uh, he believed she had cheated. We don't know what actually happened. I want to say something. We know a little bit more about that allegation. But be before we do, I just want to say something. We have been saying for months, and we've known this, that the marriage was really uh, running on fumes. It was, you know, Sam was over this. Right. And there are a lot of difficulties, obviously. This has always been a very explosive relationship. When you talk to anybody who was around them, they have had really significant arguments yes. since they started dating more than six years ago. So this was kind of a final straw. Right, because of the, the alleged violence, not alleged, we know that things did get physical at times. But this next thing, the, the cheating took it to another level and apparently that was the final straw for Sam, the alleged cheating, I should say. Alleged cheating with, and I think this is interesting, um, if, if true, uh, Sam believes that it was an actual, the person that she cheated with was a staffer, someone who worked for them, who was in the house um, and was around Britney uh, frequently and may have even recorded a video of her naked. Which, One of those videos. Uh, which look, she did, by the way, quite a bit She in gets her house. naked and, a lot. And she's actually put this on Instagram, but this has been a thing for her for a long, long time. And somebody may have videotaped her, at least according to the, you know, what Sam believes, that's right. for sure. And what we're told we should make clear that this, this recording, Brittany knew that it was happening. It's not like it was a secret right. recording right. Or, or anything like that when she was naked. Um, and Sam has seen some sort of footage. We don't know whether that's surveillance or if someone else recorded it or it was part of these videos that were recorded that Brittany was aware of uh, that kind of acted as evidence, at least he thought, that she was having this affair or at least cheating on him with this male staff staffer at the house. And like you guys said, I mean, there has been a bumpy road in the past, but this kind of set things over the top where Sam said, you know what, enough's enough, I gotta get out of here. But I also think this was gonna happen regardless. Um, and honestly, this reminds me, it reminds me of Kim and Kanye, that Kim wanted to end that marriage and file for divorce, we know this, yeah. long before she did, but Kanye was going through it um, and was having a mental health episode, a significant one, and she waited for his benefit until things stabilized right. and waited a long time. It reminds me a little bit of that, yeah. you know? So they are getting divorced, that's clear. There is not a lot for them to deal with here because <laughs> um, they've only been married for 14 months. They have a prenup. The prenup separates um, her property from his. He is getting no spousal support per the prenup, no, uh, the, no money per the prenup. He's basically able to keep his cars, his, any gifts she gave him, um, and that's about it. That all said, there probably is going to be a check written by Brittany to Sam mm -hmm. because it looks but like his lawyer is going to challenge the prenup. But not a, a huge check. I think what people think when you hear that, that he might uh, challenge the prenup, that the reason he'd do it is to get some huge payout, that's probably not gonna happen. Well, that doesn't mean I Charles, mean, I guess, well, gonna, actually, I shouldn't say. doesn't mean he's not gonna ask. Absolutely. We should explain the way right. this works. So they do have a prenup. Um, there is a confidentiality clause in the prenup. We know Sam had his own lawyer, so the prenup on its face should be valid. However, uh, Sam's lawyer, Neil Hirsch, 
has in his the divorce filing said that he is asking for spousal support. That is a signal. That's a flashing right. red light that he's going to say the prenup doesn't apply. And if it doesn't apply, it would not apply because it's not valid. And as long as he raises that issue, the, the concern that Brittany is going to have is that Sam's been with her right. for going on seven years and has seen a lot. And even so, though there's a confidentiality what, in the prenup, you know, what's interesting, they want I think, to make sure this got locked out. There's been some inaccurate reports as well saying that, you know, Sam is allegedly gearing up to release super embarrassing material about Britney. And he's come out and said that's not true at all. He's not trying to do that. Um, and also he uh, came out with a statement just addressing the divorce in general. As divorce statements go from celebrities, this one is kind of entertaining. Uh, he says, after six years of love and commitment to each other, my wife and I have decided to end our journey together. That's pretty much pat. That's what you usually hear. He says, we will hold on to the love and respect we have for each other, and I wish her the best always. Blank happens. Wow. Stuff happens that, in a more vulgar way. You probably don't say this when you are releasing like a statement saying like, oh, you know, we have love and commitment, but stuff happens. No, uh, I think it's a, very telling. I think it's super telling. I think it's very super telling. And I actually telling. think it's, it's um, you know, the first part of it is standard uh, when, you, when celebrities are getting divorced, but that last part yeah, is that not part, standard that, at that, all. That is a line saying, we're, I'm, of, I'm, I'm over all, this. I'm over this. But people believe in a marriage, stuff always happens and you always work through it. But in this case, you know, we we know some of the facts as to what led what the what the straw was that broke the camel's back. We know that that was the cheating allegations. But look, I mean, it just kind of shows you that Sam was just so. I, I, I want to get back to this prenup because I, I want to kind of close the loop on this. So there is a prenup. There is a confidentiality um, clause in there. It's actually an extensive one, we're told. But again, if the if there's a threat that the prenup may not be valid, the confidentiality clause wouldn't apply. That's why, um, ultimately, based on everything we know, and we know a fair amount here, um, that they're going to negotiate some kind of a release here where Sam and Brittany will agree that whatever check she writes, that will include a real confidentiality agreement. And the way it's enforced is that if it's violated by him, he would then have to return any money she gives him, possibly plus a penalty. And that's what she would want to secure confidentiality. Right. And that's why this is ultimately going to end up as a negotiation that will go back and forth. Sam will ask for a lot. She'll offer a little. And they're probably what we're told is they're going to settle for several hundred thousand dollars. And at least that's that's what that's, the yeah. that's what the game plan is right now. Maybe it's obvious, guys, but I think we still need to point it out that if she was still under this conservatorship, I don't think they would have been married. I don't think she would have had this yeah. mess. I don't think she would have had to pay out. I think they would have just split. So you kind of go back and you remember all the free Britney movement and everything. I don't think those fans, I think those fans had good intentions, obviously, but I don't think they really thought, you know, the domino effect that that could have and kind of what we're seeing now. Well, well the, two words you also that, remember. The, the two words that the free Britney people never, ever uttered were mental illness. And she has that. And, 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 and it's not bad on her. It just exists. Right. And there were doctors for many, many years who have validated that. And so the question now is, you know, Brittany had, it was bad casting. And they should right. have removed and Jamie because he just, she wasn't getting and along you remember, with and Let's not forget, the trump card really was when Brittany actually testified 
when she called into that hearing and said that she wanted these things and that she wanted these changes in her life, in her life at that point, something had to change, and you're right. It could have been casting. It doesn't mean that the conservatorship had to go away. But, but there was such a tidal wave to that it went away. And now she is utterly alone. She is estranged from her family. Her husband is left. She has no relationship with her kids. So now she has to manage her own life, which would be great if she's able to do it. But there's deep concern that she may not be able to. Hey, it's Sophie Max from New York City. We all know Britney's been through it all. She's already been stripped millions of dollars during her conservatorship. And I think this divorce just signifies that new journey to reclaim a bit of her personal, like, and financial worth. And I actually think it's fair that Sam receives no further payout while Britney works through this new chapter of freedom. And after all, she's going to be left with no one or support. She can at least keep her cash. Okay, we're gonna move on. Yes, uh, to a happy birthday celebration uh, for Robert De Niro. And it is a, as they say, and I hate this phrase, but this was a star-studded <laughs> uh, birthday celebration because you know, when you've been around for 80 years and you've been as successful and famous as Robert De Niro, you collect a lot of famous friends along the way, and almost all of them were there. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney was there, uh, George Lucas, uh, Martin Scorsese, Walken. of course, and Christopher Walken. Wow, old Hollywood gang. coming yeah. together. How does this make you feel, Harvey? It makes Alec Baldwin there. Oh, 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 Nikki, finish Charles, your thought. Charles, you're so no, no, funny. No, no, Nikki, 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 finish your point. Finish your <laughs> yeah. thought. Yeah. I, I feel like someone is pushing up there and against his uh, his uh, famous people in Hollywood, right? No, what's your point? Happy birthday to you soon, right? <laughs> oh no, no, no! I wasn't saying I wasn't saying that. I know what you were going to get at. That these are old yeah, guys. They're and old, else. and who cares? I, I think I, I love, love seeing them all. Yeah. I love to see these incredibly accomplished people right. who have maintained a friendship over. So years, look at the suit on Scorsese. Still relevant Ooh. and vibrant. I just think this is awesome. And, and by the way, obviously, fans still think so also because they were all lined up outside of this party trying to get photos, trying to get autographs. So, yeah, they're older, but there's no reason to like I love crap this. all over. Them. I love this. Uh, Kid Rock and Bud Light have come back together. <laughs> um, I thought he shot it up. Uh, he shot it up. I mean, look, arguably, Kid Rock is the one who sparked the, the Bud Light backlash yeah. and the boycott that cost Anheuser-Busch billions. Billions and billions. Knocked them off the top, um, top of the uh, beer sales charts. Um, and this is all over Dylan Mulvaney. Bud Light had actually partnered with Dylan, and Kid Rock felt like that was... Some betrayal of, of right. American values. American values, so he's shooting up. And other people went out and did the same thing. So imagine the shock uh, of seeing uh, Kid Rock out in public with a Bud Light, drinking a Bud Light and not trying to hide it at all. It almost, it almost looks like he's doing an ad for I them. I agree with you. Uh, I was really <laughs> stunned by this. I mean, this is just embarrassing. So this is at Skydeck off of Broadway in Nashville. So there's no way people aren't going to see right. Kid Rock. It's a very popular place. There's tons of people taking photos. He was there and, for a Colt Ford show, very popular yeah, in country but, music. So. But like you guys said, I mean, it's so embarrassing that like you are basically the face of this whole backlash. And it's like, even if he drinks Bud Light still, do that in the private well, no, 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 but, but, but Devin, I, I, think, I think there is something behind this. Because he's so public about it and holding it the way he is, right. I, I, there's something we he's don't doing know because it also that doesn't, has changed. It right. doesn't make sense either because 
it's a bar. They have a lot of beers on tap. Right. And that, different right. beers is, they sell. The like what, the fact that he has a Bud Light right, of but all he's, beers. But it's intentional. And there's You're some saying reason, it's intentional. I, and there's some reason he's doing this, and it's not like, oops, I got caught. He is holding this beer. He is showing. While he's up on the balcony yeah, where he knows so people are looking up he and knows seeing people him. people are seeing this. So there's something behind it. I don't but what know do what you it think is. And there behind it, Harvey? I don't know. And there must be, because if not, then what you're saying, Devin, is true, that this is... If you're part of that group of people that felt like Bud Light had somehow abandoned you or, or you know, they were traitors to American values and you see Kid Rock doing this, you are going to be really pissed off at Kid Rock, right? I feel a little flat-footed here because usually when we talk about things, we know what's behind it. Yeah. I have no idea what's behind this. All I know, what I feel is... It's too prominent for it to be a mistake. It's not a mistake. There is something intentional here that he's doing to telegraph he's drinking Bud Light, and I don't understand what it is, but it's it's interesting, that's for sure. Eric from Nebraska. Uh, Kid Rock is a controversial person in general, and I think that his career kind of needed a pick-me-up because he hasn't been talked about in a while. And being this controversial, he got a, a good cash grab out of it, I would think, because he made songs and made merchandise and all that. And the public gave up worrying about the boycott, so so did he. Okay. I, 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 just, I, I, I have a theory. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got a theory. I have no idea whether this is true or not. But if I were the PR people for Bud Light and I was trying to pull this out of the great hole that I was in. And by the way, there, there are some signs that Bud Light, that Anheuser-Busch is recovering. Right. Uh, starting to recover. But from if the I Cup. wanted to really move the needle yeah. on this, I'd make, I'd make a deal with Kid Rock. Because, like you said, he started the boycott. Harvey. He could end the boycott. I, so I, was, I hear you, but what you're su suggesting is that the reason he's holding that can is purely because he got some no, amount no, no. of money. No, no, no. That, What's that, the that, deal that you're making with him? I, 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 look, I, I you're said, talking about like money, I, right? Like I said, I don't know. No, no, I know you don't. I'm, I'm just talking about your maybe, theory. Maybe it's not money, but maybe... I'm just trying to figure out what is it that made him go from shooting a Bud Light can to holding a Bud well, Light can and, and Harvey, drinking Bud Harvey, Light. Harvey, what kind of does back up that theory is, you know, originally he said he was going to pull Bud Light from his bar, and a reporter went in there in July, and they were still selling it. Yeah. So you, you could be on to something. I, I just feel like he's so intentional about holding it. We'll see. Uh, we got to move on. Yes. Uh, moving on now to a, a, a dinner, um, dinner party that really is interesting in light of what happened in Kevin Spacey's trial. I think it's trial. a thank you dinner. You think so? I do. Um, it, it, it should be if that's, if that's not what it was, but Kevin Spacey, remember he was on trial last month uh, in the UK. Uh, four men had accused him of sexual assault. He was found uh, not guilty found on not all guilty. counts. And everyone agrees that one of the crucial days in that trial was the day that Elton John remotely testified really supporting um, Kevin Spacey. Uh, he was, basically he punched a huge hole in the a allegations. Line, in a timeline. Yes, in the timeline of one of the accusers. Um, so, the two of them, to Paris. Two of, two of them <laughs> last out, night. out eating last yeah. night. Kevin Spacey and Elton John, uh, along with David Furnish, Elton John's husband. Had a fabulous restaurant. kids were there. Um, yeah, what's the name yeah. of the restaurant in Paris? The, the, the name uh, of the, the restaurant Maison. is 
the name of the restaurant is La Petite Maison. It's, it's in, it's in France. And yes. what I think is going on here is this is the gradual reintroduction of Kevin Spacey to polite society. He's now been cleared of the criminal charges. What, is the, what does that mean? It's a term. It's, a, it's just a term. It's sort of an expression that, you know, he has been ostracized for so long. And now this is sort of bringing him back. He's out there with another celebrity, Elton John. They're having a rollicking good time. They're being serenaded by Suspicious Minds and Elvis song. And I think this is the beginning of Kevin Spacey's comeback. Yeah, I mean, look, Kevin Spacey has been acquitted once. They dropped another criminal case against mm -hmm. him. So, you know, at a point, um, somebody, he, he, he's undeniably a great actor. And so I, I think, you know, nothing succeeds like success. We've seen this in sports. We've seen it in well, music. And it's, you know, if he ends up doing a movie. Well, he has a movie that's, uh, that's coming out. And I saw the trailer the other day. But, uh, and, and if it's really good, there will still be people boycotting. But there are going to be a lot of people who won't. And if it's really good, this is the way if things work. If you're Kevin work. Spacey, you say that, all right, if, if Elton John's testimony really helped me in court, maybe Elton John sort of testifying for me in public will help, my, help me as well. You know what I mean? Like being seen with him out oh, yeah, at dinner. No, no. So, I, think, I think it's all... Not to say that it was only a calculated thing. They, they're sure clearly are, friends. Yeah, they're clearly friends. And uh, look, I mean, I, we'll, we will see what happens. But, you know, we talked about this with Amber Heard. Everybody thought, oh, she'll never work again. Well, she's already working again. I mean, she it is? just happened. Yeah, she did a movie. Oh, she did a movie. So um, all right. that's the way things work. Hey, this is Six from Houston, Texas. I feel... Like, first, we got to realize they have been friends for a long time. And friends always going to have each other's backs. For two, he got acquitted. He just having dinner. I just feel like, hey, it's two friends having dinner. The man needs to move on. We also have so many people attacking his celebrities. This Me Too movement that keeps going and going and going. So we just... Hey, we just got to go by the, by the law, you know? He got to quit it. So I, I hear what you're saying, that friends always going to have friends' backs. Not in showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> that's not in showbiz. And that's it, why this is actually... Ain't that the truth. Right. Ain't that the truth. You know, just the other day, we were talking about how TikTok could be so critical in the upcoming presidential election. Absolutely. And um, the trials. And, and in the trials for Trump as well. Um, just that it is now uh, in some place where a lot of uh, people with, are expressing their political views. It's where people are consuming news in yeah. a different version. Absolutely. And uh, in that sense, I think our next guest is a genius um, uh, because Marianne Williamson is running for president once again. She is running as a Democrat, but she is, has, I think, already understood exactly what we were saying because she is leading with young voters under 30 on TikTok. She figured out early the power of this, uh, of this platform and it is paying off for her. So joining us right now is candidate for president, Marianne Williamson. Marianne, welcome back to TMZ Live. Hey, Marianne. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So um, look, I, I've known you for many, many years, and I know how smart you are, but also how connected you are. And what I find really interesting is so many of the other people have been playing in cable news, which is old people and not nearly as relevant. How did you figure this out so quickly that the playground for candidates and for news is not what it was traditionally? 
Well, I didn't figure out anything. The truth of the matter is that uh, CNN and MSNBC aren't having me on because they're just chopping wood and carrying water for the DNC. So all those groups that you mentioned are important. The young people are important and older people are important in uh, in uh, the demo- in demographic terms. The issue with young people, though, is they're on TikTok, as you said, and I can get onto TikTok. There are no gatekeepers. So it's not so much that I figured it out. It's just that when I went there, I'm able to actually get across to young people who are on TikTok. And uh, it's a kind of democratization of the news. They're not you know, getting the corporatized version from some mainstream uh, media channel of what they're supposed to think and supposed to hear. They're learning from each other. And in the case of something like my TikToks, they're learning it directly from the candidate. So I'm just very, very grateful. And I think that what young people are, you know, they're bringing forth the same kind of excitement and possible sense of possibility that any generation does. But I don't think there's been any generation... I wouldn't say ever in the United States, but in a very long time that is shackled the way these young kids are by lack of health care, by lack of housing opportunities, by college loan debts and by the environmental crisis that they really are so concerned about that many of them are considering not even the possibility of having children. So they hear me when I talk about an economic crisis and the need for an economic U-turn. So, Marianne, do you find that uh, those young voters that you are are reaching, that they are also because I think this is the end, this is what's really important, they're motivated to actually go out and vote. These young people today are literally voting for their lives. The environmental crisis is such that there's a question whether this planet would even be habitable at about the time that they're coming into their blossoming. So no, these I have no doubt that these people will be voting. They recognize the seriousness of what's going on. Um, they're at the effect of it like no other generation. Are you finding that there is the kind of tribalism with young people that there is with older people? And, you know, when I raised the issue of, you know, the cable news networks, the reason I raised it is nobody's moving the needle on any cable news station. If you're watching one, you're already cemented in your view. And it almost doesn't matter, you know, what your political opinions are about issues. Um, it's just about cultural issues. You know, they're they're dug in. Are young people dug in? Are they open to hearing about issues or is it as tribal as with older people? I think it's extraordinary the level of intelligent analysis that you see on TikTok if you're looking for it. I think the place where there's an absence of intelligent news analysis is on many of those cable stations you're talking about. Now, when you say nobody's moving the needle, I would actually say, Harvey, maybe if they had me on, they would be. I mean, myself feeling so invisibilized and erased by cable news. So I think that they're very, they're very strict on who they allow on for that very reason. They don't want to move the needle from their pre-prescribed and predetermined political conversation and their set of candidates that they think should even be considered as seriously qualified. Marianne, have you heard, you know, you're raising a really good point because um, we were talking about it, the fact that it is rare that when you have um, the Democrats or, or the Republicans who have a sitting president who is, who is running for re-election, that you don't have a lot of people in the party opposing them. Um, have you heard specifically from the, any of the networks that that is why they're not having you on? I mean, The political party has said, we are going to be supporting the president. And absolutely, it's so obvious that CNN falls in line or MSNBC falls in line. 
given where I am in the polls, look how they will have a CNN town hall, meet the press or any other of those kinds of shows with people who are uh, coming in far lower in the polls than I am. It's only on the Democratic side that, oops, they don't exist. They're just called long shot. They're just called minor candidates because they say so. So there are all kinds of ways of saying things. And if your press uh, press department pitches you for a show over and over and over again, and you're not getting respond a response from them, I would say they're giving you a message. Yeah, well, I, I would agree. And um, I'm happy we had you on TMZ yeah. Live because your voice is important. And um, and and again, also. It doesn't matter. We're not having you on because we're promoting you or not promoting you. But I think it's important for you people to, to understand. All yeah. And, yep. and um, good on you for persisting. Seriously. Thank you. And I'm, I'm aware how important your show is. I'm aware how many people watch it. So I thank you for having me on and giving me the opportunity for a serious conversation. All, all my right. best to you. And the same, you, and same to you, Marian. Appreciate it. Interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. It is interesting and angering. Because she's right, you don't, that any of the networks are shutting out any candidates is well, they're absurd. Part, they, they've become all because part of partner, political parties. And they're partnering they're partners with, with party. political parties. Exactly. Okay, taking a break. All right, when we come back, uh, the man who says the Gilgo Beach serial murders did not have to happen, if police had just listened to him 12 years ago, 12 years ago. when he says he knew exactly what happened, that he came face to face with and even had a fight with Rex Hurman, you're going to hear his story when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. As you just saw and heard, uh, we have a special that is going to be airing Sunday night on Fox. Um, and it's all about the investigation into the Gilgo Beach serial murders. But, specific, but specifically, specifically about clues that could have nabbed Rex Hewerman. Now again, by the I, way, you say clues. I think some of these things are way more than clues. Well, these it, are huge red flags liter that liter someone literally should have evidence been looking at. that would have led police to, the to Rex Hewerman's doorstep in 2010. That is 13 years before they ended up catching him, and they caught him with the main clue was something that was at their disposal 13 years ago, and they didn't, they didn't pay attention to it and maybe deliberately ignored it because of who the police chief was at the time. Now, this is a horrendous story of corruption, police misconduct, and this is about a chief at the top who was trying to thwart the investigation. Right. Now, we don't know, obviously, if Rex Hurman is actually the Gilgo Beach uh, serial murderer, uh, but there is a man who believes that Rex Hurman is. His name is Dave Schaller, and he has an incredibly chilling story to tell. We spoke to him for this special. You will hear much more from him on Sunday night. He was, roommate, this is he, he was roommates with a woman named Amber Costello, who was one of the Gilgo Beach victims. This is what he says happened, and it is just a chilling story. Guy, you know, didn't want to take no for an answer and started grab assing on her, you know, and was basically, you know, trying to pull her down to, you know, to, to, to rape her. So came flying back to the house, 
busted through the door, and there's a giant in my living room. The second she went missing, the first person that came to my head was that dude. Chowler told police about the incident in chilling detail a few days after they found Amber's body. Then two more times right after that, he described the exact type of truck the man was driving, a dark green or black Chevy Avalanche. Yet cops never followed up. All they had to do was run avalanches in Massapeka and the case is over, you know? You can hear in Dave's voice, he's just going, what, what is happening? Why are they not following up on the information that Turns I gave Turns out the police chief was frequenting many, many prostitutes and did not want to spotlight on this case because the last thing he wanted was to, to put a spotlight on a bunch of sex workers whose bodies were found in his jurisdiction. And so he took all sorts of steps derailing this thing, freezing the FBI out. There's this crazy story, crazy story, where one of the detectives who we interviewed said, look, we need to bring some cadaver dogs to the beach there. And he, his response was, well, they don't like working in the winter. And the detective said, what are they, like lifeguards? Right. That they only work in the summer? We need to do it. And the, the chief said no. And bodies decomposed. Evidence was lost. It's a travesty. What's the defense of the police department in all this? I mean, how can they possibly reconcile their conduct with the eventual uh, case that many women died in this, uh, you yeah. know, as a result of this and as a result of their, you know, ineptitude, honestly? It's, it's really inexcusable, and I'd, yet I'd like to hear an excuse. They don't give one. We talked to the current police chief. He apologizes. You want right. to hear The current this. chief is trying to, you know, clean up a mess that was handed to him, but they're not... They're not mincing words. They are acknowledging what the previous uh, regime clearly did not do on this case. Um, it, it's so much worse. And, and they don't know how many people that he allegedly killed. Um, be, and I say allegedly because everybody we spoke to says that if it is Rex Hewerman who committed these murders, he's been charged with three. He's a prime suspect in the fourth. There were seven uh, sex workers found of the 11 bodies found in Gilgo Beach. But he also had places in Las Vegas and South Carolina. And, and police the are looking there there because are very concerned. You, you'll hear in the show, serial killers don't stop. They may stop for a while, but then they come back. And this lingered for a dozen years. And the question is, what else did he do? Nicholas Coriano, I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And in my opinion, the police need a more systematic approach to investigating, interrogating, and potentially disqualifying leads that are brought into an investigation. And the public needs more accountability that they can have hands-on to hold these police officers accountable. Yeah. Again, yeah, so um, it, Sunday night. Sunday night at 9 o'clock, 8 Central, Gilgo Beach serial murders missed warning signs. There were lots of them. Okay, we are going to move on. Yes, uh, to some more good news from Jamie Foxx. Remember we showed you the, the uh, Instagram post, he put up a photo where he said he was incredibly grateful and felt like he's feeling like himself for the first time. And we're like, yeah, it looks like he's in a nice tropical place, he's on vacation. Well now, uh, we know where he is and he is indeed enjoying himself down in Mexico. He's in uh, Tulum. And uh, God, that looks like a pretty place. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. And he is. Although, it must be so damn humid. <laughs> well, yeah, it is humid. You're in the tropics. So <laughs> what? That's why you went there. Uh, he's enjoying himself. Uh, went um, to do a little, went for a swim in uh, these caves that they call uh, Cenote. And, oh, I'm glad uh, you said it, Charles, because I didn't. I was going to say Cenote. 
No, no, cenote. Come on, Mike. Come on. You took a little Spanish in cultured. high school, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Didn't pay attention, though. I mean, it's obviously a great sign. We obviously we heard from Jamie yesterday. We talked about it on the show. He said he was starting to feel more and more like himself. And I think you see him out there. He he's smiling. Uh, you know, somebody asked, hey, Jamie, how you feeling? He gave him a thumbs up. I, I think it's it's day by day. You're seeing Jamie Foxx being the old Jamie Foxx that we know and love. And it's obviously sure a great feels sign that way. with sure what he's been with. It's, it's only 57% humidity there, Charles, uh, Harvey. Is that uh, it? 94 degrees today, at least. 57% humidity. It's That's more humid here. Bad. It's more humid. It really is more humid here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Lauren Conlon coming to you from New Hampshire today. And I am so thrilled to see Jamie Foxx looking healthy again. That picture that surfaced a few weeks ago when he first got out of the hospital, a lot of people were saying that he looked like a clone and it wasn't really him. And he looks great now, totally looking like himself. So I'm relieved. It's a well-traveled clone. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm feeling a little tired today. I wish I had your energy. I can just feel it. <laughs> Well, Rachel Levis is moving on. Uh, Vanderpump Rules is in her rear view. We she knew that, not, by the way. We knew way. she wasn't going to come back. It, it just, it was obvious they'd been shooting for so long well, and we got there was nothing. We got real confirmation. Yes, we got actual confirmation from Lisa Vanderpump, which we will show you in just a moment. But first, got to show you a thirst Rachel's friend. new job. Although, I don't know how much it pays at this point. Um, but she's hoping it'll pay off. Uh, just having some time lounging by a pool in Scottsdale. Um, Okay, in I'm bikini. sorry. Now, here's why I think this, this is a thirst trap. This is totally... She didn't post these photos. The paparazzi, and I don't know how much paparazzi are actually by a pool at a resort. With a perfect a, pose. With, <laughs> with perfect view. I mean, I'm not saying this, this it was set up, but I'm not please. saying it's not. Uh, I'm saying it's set up. <laughs> I, I don't know, but you look at the picture and come uh, on. It is sort of like you said it this morning. It's the reemergence of Rachel. She is, yep. was underground for so long, especially obviously while she was in a mental health facility. But since she's been out, she's also been quiet and now that she's made it clear she's not coming back to Vanderpump Rules. Uh, she does the podcast this week with uh, Bethany Frankel. Then she's out by the pool where she happens to get some, happens to get some photos it's taken of her. It's the reemergence of her. Right, and she got to figure out what's the next chapter. And guys, we got Lisa Vanderpump out yesterday in West Hollywood. It's actually an incredible interview. She talks about all different kinds of things, um, including saying the fact that the cast doesn't really believe anything that Rachel says anymore. Yeah. And I think we have a clip from that now. We do. Here's uh, Lisa Vanderpump. Raquel is not returning. Did she ever talk to you about coming back this season? Um. Yeah, when she was in the facility, uh, the, you know, her team kind of texted and emailed us. We wanted to make sure she was in a good place first. Yeah, I was going to do like a one-on-one -on -one with her. The team reached out, but in the end, I think she decided not to, you know. Her, her class don't really, you know, they don't really believe anything she says. So there was no point in her. Why do you think she's not coming back? Oh, I don't know. I don't really understand anything she does. What do you say to the people that think that the show isn't going to be able to be successful without her? Uh, it was successful before her, before she wanted to join and hooked up with Jane. So, mm. um, I love Lisa Vanderpump so much. Um, I love Lisa. Because she's, ah. 
And she's such ah. a good business person. But she also said that this this stuff that that Rachel said on Bethany's podcast was BS. That she wasn't making any money. That she made three hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars for yep. the last season. Yep. And that ain't chump change. But guys, it, what's interesting here is I spoke to someone at Bravo this morning who told me, you know, because obviously she's making it a big deal about how she wanted all this extra pay. She wanted to be paid the same as Tom and Ariana. Listen. Someone at Bravo told me this morning, like, you don't get paid because of, based on your storyline. You get paid based on how many seasons you've appeared as talent on the show. So I get it. Yes, uh, her drama and her affair carried a lot of the end of last season. But also, she's only been on for four or five seasons, whereas Tom and Ariana have basically been on since the beginning of the show's existence. So Yeah, there's a difference. I mean, she gets what she gets. Hi, this is Dana from Prompton Baden. I want to comment on Rachel not coming back to the show. I think she's coming back. I think once the number's right that she has in her head, she'll be back. It's all about the number. Um, and I think Lisa's just being very gracious and supportive, of course, like always. Well, it's so you, you know the term, the ship has sailed. They're almost finished shooting the season. Yeah, just a couple so of weeks left. It's so. in the, as a, a, another term, it's in the can already. So <laughs> I, I'm going to stop with the terms. Well, now that that whole Lil Tay is dead death hoax uh, has been debunked, we broke the story that she is actually alive. Um, after a bizarre post went up on her social media saying that she and her brother had passed away suddenly, um, everyone was wondering after we broke the story that she is uh, alive, does this mean she's actually going to come back to social media? If you recall, um, what, three, four years ago, she was a huge social media influencer, um, some would say rapper, <laughs> um, and uh, everyone's wondering, is she gonna come back to social media now? At the time, she was only, I think she was eight or nine years old, which was part of the you know, attraction to all the things that she was doing on social media. She's now 14. 14 years old, so what does the future hold? Well, there are some signs she could be making a comeback um, because some things have changed in her family life. There was a huge custody battle that was going on uh, between uh, Tay's mom and her father, and things have calmed down a bit now, and it seems like there may be uh, an opening for her to come back to social media. Well, some decisions have been made by the court, and that includes about $275,000 in back pay child support that her dad's gonna have to pay to her mom, Angela. Now, Angela has also gone to the court uh, because there was a ban on Lil Tay posting on social media during this stuff um, that was happening between her mom and dad. That has now been lifted. Uh, and moving forward, they're kind of looking at, okay, what can she do career-wise? And in a statement we got from the family, they said exactly that, is this kind of puts her on the path uh, to a comeback, which honestly, guys, when we first saw this death story, the reason that we kind of hit the brakes on publishing it initially is because yeah. we thought this could kind of be the workings of a comeback, and that's kind of what we're seeing play out. It does feel like that for sure, especially yeah. if suddenly she wants to come back, well, how else to get attention? How do you get people to talk about your name in a big, big way? It, it, it's totally, it all sort it, of honestly, it is totally unsurprising to me if that's what is behind all of this. Right. Hi, I'm Nivia from Dallas, Texas. When I first heard of Little Taste Comeback, um, I was excited. However, after reading the recent headlines, not so much. And it sounds like she's going through a really rough time right now due to this custody battle and her parents or maybe even just her dad. 
But prayers goes up for little Tay, and I hope that she can get back to her normal life soon. We're going to stay on this one. Yeah, uh, it's there's something very interesting yeah. about it. You might recall we told you that um, Drake's son, Adonis, was at one of his shows here in L.A. In fact, Drake implored the crowd, please don't throw bras up on stage tonight because my, my kid is here. The bras didn't leave an impact <laughs> on Adonis, uh, but what did... Uh, one of Dad's songs, one of the songs that he does with uh, 21 Savage. So Drake posted this video of Adonis at home a couple <laughs> days after the concert. <laughs> He's going to really regret that he took this kid to the show. 21, can you do something for me? 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 Blue Ivy's going on stage with Beyonce, right? Northwest has gone on stage, right? Right. This kid is actually pretty good. So and the more he does it, this kid is going to be on stage performing this song I wouldn't at a doubt concert. It. I'm telling you, I wouldn't uh, doubt it. Okay, have a great weekend, everybody. Remember um, our, our our documentary, Gilgo Beach Serial Murders: Missed Warning Signs on Sunday night on Fox, it's nine, nine o'clock, eight, eight central. Have a good weekend.